Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. All right, so today we are talking about um, books and stories. Laura's got some movies, as usual, that we are going, that we've been enjoying (laughs) lately, or just things we've been learning from and um, absorbing and all of that. So we really are enjoying these conversations and we're excited to dig in. I want to hear what you've been, yeah, what stories are are capturing you lately, Laura? I have two that are actually recommendations from you. So I think I'll start there. So, I I read uh, this might get awkward by um yes. McDonald's or McDowell. I always get yeah, that wrong. I think it's McDowell. McDowell. But yeah. Yep. I loved that book for so many reasons, and I felt as I was reading it that it should not be possible to do a contemporary like YA of while you were sleeping. Yeah. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, and she's making it work. Like. Yeah. <laughs> It's absolutely that. And it like works so well. Yes. Yes. I love that book so much. It it felt so relatable to like all the anxiety stuff in there. Yes. And like this. Yeah. That, I love that main character. I love the whole storyline. I love the like throwback to while you were sleeping. Like it just, I love that book. Yes. <laughs> I, I love the exploration of like what we want versus what we need yes. and how yes. well it walks us through that through yeah. the, shape of the story uh, just naturally (laughs) and there's something so fantastic about seeing something over time knowing what it is they're doing but seeing it blossom change seeing two characters that slowly get to know one another and she does such a great job of continuing to throw them into like wonderfully awkward funny like beautifully interesting moments yeah and it's so hard to do that in a way that feels believable but yes an awkward thing you're like I totally believe that that could happen like that's and I think even upping the drama for someone with anxiety we both have anxiety so there's Mm -hmm. a level of sitting there and understanding how that within the situations that she is thrown into add to the choices that she makes yeah. that that may for someone else might be like would she really keep doing that and you're like oh um, no yeah <laughs> she absolutely would like absolutely avoidance of like awkward situations oh, yes. and and even just kind of those fear aspects of certain things yeah. um the unwillingness to put yourself out there in certain ways yeah <laughs> there's this part at the beginning where it's not really giving anything away because it happens so quick where she saves yeah. the guy yeah um and it's one of those like she looks around and it's almost like <laughs> someone else gonna do that someone else to do that like like this so relatable moment of it's like oh i have to yeah. No. Like, but then she does, and and that I I felt like there was such a humanity, a like relatability to. Yes, that. totally. And I I also like it was set on Lake Powell, mm-hmm. which is in Arizona, which yeah we both 
have lived in, um, not in the areas, but it was written out of such love and care mm. for the place. Yeah. I, I don't always see books do that where the setting is such a just wondrous part even though it's the real world like it it just felt like she loved it and she was able to then describe and convey uh, the beauty of it even if it's not a normal beauty that we value every day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's just some really cool moments in there of like sparkling water and yeah. like the sun and I just love that yeah it totally made me want to go to like foul <laughs> like, <What? laughs> we're all like, like okay cool. Sign me up. Lake trip. Yep. <laughs> and I think also like one of the things that she does at the very beginning and I, I love this in stories she either knew where she was getting to the end and mm. wrote the beginning to match it or she did the reverse and knew the beginning yeah. and so wrote the ending to match it because they have mirrors mm-hmm. of each other like even in the words she uses um about being on the beach and being there alone and i i love that attention to showing that change yeah. in very concrete and very specific ways that yeah. really just bring it home um in a strong and very obvious way. Yeah, that book had a really nice character arc and just the way the characters mm-hmm. changed and grew, grew was so, it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there is a solution to a problem that like towards the end, I'm like, oh, I hope this is what is going to, to happen. <laughs> and it did and I was just like, yeah. yes. And I love that too when like, she didn't overly mm-hmm. advertise it, but it. But there was there enough was there for you to like information, hope. Yeah. yeah, that you can hope for, and a very clear thing that you can hope for, and we've talked about how powerful that is, and then she yeah. gave it to you, and you're like, yes, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you so liked thank it. Thank you for the recommendation. I really like that <laughs> Yay. I thought that so you would good. like it. It seems like one. Yeah. It's definitely up my alley. Um, and then the other one is better than the movies, which I also very much enjoy. Okay, that's another one of my favorite why. <laughs> like, I love all the like it's... 80s, 90s rom com yes. like, references. It just made me so happy. I love that too. Like how she set off different chapters with different quotes. Yes. And the chapters then said something about it. Like mm-hmm. they were in dialogue, sometimes like completely undercutting what was said in the yes. quote, sometimes going along with it. I I thought that was super clever, interesting, a way to really grab you in with yeah. things that you already love and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> and in a way that kind of was very... It allowed it to be subtle still. Like yeah. it allowed it to not necessarily telegraph things. Like you didn't know what she was going to say about that quote or if yeah. it was going to be like a complete subversion of it the moment from the movie or the words. Um, and I I love something like that that plays with yeah. your expectations and that obviously knows what you're thinking when you yeah. start reading that chapter and it's like oh it's not gonna go exactly how you think it is 
Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good point. Well, and I feel like it worked so well because also because it was so personal to the char- character. Like she loved yeah. these rom-coms. And so yes. then like it felt not just like someone randomly sticking these quotes at the beginning because, oh yeah, rom-coms. You know, like it was really interesting yeah. to the story and the character too in a way that I really enjoyed. It just made me smile. Like I just felt like I smiled yes. through that book. It was, it was funny in like ridiculous <laughs> ways and places. But, like Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. And I, I think it feels both believable but also like a little bit heightened like rom-coms do yes but not in a way that you're like this could never happen like you you're like oh yeah a a teenager who isn't really like completely thinking of what their the end results of their actions is going to be or or who maybe thinks that they really want it um would willingly do like go to these lengths and I, I love that, too, that it actually makes sense of that extreme kind of borderline obsession with, yeah. with like, romantic love yeah. from that backstory of yes. the enjoyment this this character had with her mother, like, watching yeah. them. And that's the thing that she holds on to and can remember. So, of course, she's going to continue to hold on to that like it's yeah. it's a part of that memory and it almost feels like she is turning her back on the memory of her mother if she believes anything else yeah when you can get a backstory like that that just works so yes. so well to show why the characters are making the choices they're making it's yeah. kind of like magic I don't know like it just really fleshes something out and makes it feel yeah more believable even if it's dialed up to 11 and even if it's like kind of yes. extreme I think I really liked too with that book that it like knew what it was, you know, like it knew what Mm, it was and it didn't try to be something else. Like it was a rom-com. It leaned into being a (laughs) rom-com. Like it just, I don't know, like if that makes sense, but. Absolutely. And it knew the beats, like it knew the funny, weird, awkward moments and that Mm -hmm. you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're Mm going to have to get your characters in embarrassing situations. That's what it calls for and she did it expertly yeah um, like the, well, the party sequence yes. <laughs> it's so ridiculous over the top but it's also like so so yes. great yes like, well, yeah. it wasn't just like the quotes and interaction with these rom-coms like it itself felt like the epitome of those movies you know yes. like i don't know absolutely so it just absolutely really, it was just fun <laughs> But from that place of love yes. and that place Yeah, it wasn't of, satire or anything like that. It was just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. But I think it also a little bit took a lens to it yeah. to ask ourselves, what do these stories teach us? Like, yeah. it, it wasn't afraid to kind of do both. Yes. In a really interesting and somehow like keeping that balance of yeah, being I, what yeah. it is, Absolutely. but taking a lens to it too. Yes. Which I, I, I applaud and I think, I think was done in a way that was really enjoyable, interesting. The love interest, I think they they gave so much to him. Like yeah. he got so much time on the page. Yeah. And time on the page, not as a obvious love interest 
And I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why it worked so well is yes. like you could have both. You could <laughs> you could have a little bit of taking asking questions about it while there, something is happening as well. There's yes. <laughs> just there well, was he was just duality. such a great foil too. Like I think it's yes. a really good example of a perfect foil who like really yes. questions the main character and puts the main character to the, the ringer, you know, like through the ringer, but also in a way that like I don't know, like it's it's not like he's the villain or he's you know like he's just yes. a perfect foil. Like <laughs> yeah, he is absolutely. And it's hard to do and still really like them together. It's yeah, hard to do exactly. and have him not go too far. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think a character goes a little too far in one scene, but it's not him. And I loved that. Like, yeah. usually it's the guy character who says, says things. Yeah. And he doesn't. Like, he, they, again, they magic trick him into, like, we, I think sometimes, even though it's not through his perspective, like we relate to him a little more. And it's, again, it's magic. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. <laughs> it makes me so happy that you read both of those and that you liked them. <laughs> I love them. And, and uh, Better Than the Movies also has a soundtrack to it, which I, that's like my love language. Like at the back, she has an entire list of songs, like that connect like she thought of as she was doing certain things and I loved that um there's something about the music like being able to link you into the feel of something that I really enjoy and so it's it's subtle it's just like put here and there in little moments a song on the radio a song but she actually has all the songs that are in the story at the back which I just loved yeah (laughs) I don't know that I even realized that (laughs) but cool it's cool (laughs) <laughs> so do you, i ha, i can keep going but do you do you want to talk about i'm so parts? excited about the ones you want to share okay. so yeah keep going okay so um stephanie garber i you told me you were reading that yes i finally i've been holding off because yeah. i wanted the full Whole series i knew that after reading Caraval in that series, that yeah. waiting for them would be excruciating. So yeah. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. So I finally gave in <laughs> in like over the summer, um, very recently. And so I read Once Upon a Broken Heart, and then I picked up A Ballad of Never After right after because I couldn't yes. not. <laughs> and what I love about Stephanie Garber is she just has such a great sense of tone and place and description. And we talked about magic tricks about mm. making you believe that this world is real. And that's, yeah. there's so much layering to the world, so much mythology and, and rules. Mm. And there's, there's fairy, like a fairy tale and, and history and they're all intertwined into one you don't know what exactly is the truth and this is a extension but different it goes to a different place within the caraval world and as we talk about she one of the characters is Jax who is from the caraval stories and is a complicated character (laughs) Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, 
Yeah. And you don't know, and that's exactly, I think it works so well. Yeah. I mean, her, her lead character is very interesting. Her name's Evangeline uh, Fox, uh, or Evangeline uh, Fox. And, but she, she's very compelling, and it does a great job of pulling you in. The opening is actually from the perspective of a bell, <laughs> which I, like, sit with that opening, and I'm like, how does she make an object like have a distinctive point of view and tell yeah. something interesting and compelling about this character? And she absolutely just grabs you and tugs you into the story. But then very soon you get Jax also into the story who I would say as a reader of the original series i feel lots of complicated things about him i have uh -huh. compassion for him and where he ended up at the end of that story of um finale because i don't want to give okay i'm not going to give that away but <laughs> basically like yeah there's a lot of broken things about him yeah and yeah. that makes this very interesting because you don't know who he's going to be what direction he's going to go in yeah if he's going to keep being the same person or how that experience changed him. And I just love that. I love going back into with characters who are, I think that we connect well with characters like that. who are kind of very complex and layered. Yeah, absolutely. Messy, able to like, they understand that they can make any choice and yeah. they do. Yeah. And I think then when we kind of sit back with ourselves, our flawed selves, like looking at an obviously flawed character really helps us kind of like yeah. enjoy a little bit of that brokenness because um, mm. we can feel that way too. And, mm. oh, I, but he's also a delight. Like he's just such yeah. a scamp. Like yeah. he's like, he's like Loki. Like you just sit and you're like, that's a really good comparison. Yeah. And eat popcorn and like watch him do whatever he's going to do because yeah, he's going to do something and, and that's it. we talked about being interesting he is so not boring like yeah. the character is always just bringing the mayhem havoc into the world <laughs> <laughs> but I think the fact that that's not just him like that's not his only side like there yeah. is depth there is brokenness there is wanting something else or having wanted it before mm. that makes it really fascinating yeah i think that's really important when writing morally gray characters like they have to have those wounds and that background and that mm. like in order for the, the reader to really connect with them instead of just feeling like yes they're just acting out of chaos or that they're like yeah. don't care about anyone or you know like you have to kind of show those layers um but when you yes. can and you can get a morally gray character that you really like give wounds and backstory and layers to like yes it's delicious <laughs> it's so wonderful and what's so great is even as even if there's change within the character you never know what is truth like mm. I, I at least as you're going through it like until it that tends to be a signal as well that you give them a special moment where they get to show themselves but until then there's a lot of this question what's will they won't on? they yeah what are they doing why are they doing it there's yeah. this play of that which I think even as a reader like 
it's just delightful to, to ask yourself those questions of what is, what is true? What is actually happening? Well, and that's something she did so well in that first series too. Like kind of playing with your ex, like what you thought was really happening and then surprising you with it. That's so hard. It's like impossible for me as a writer. Like I just don't understand how someone does it. And I'm so impressed with how well she does that in the first series. And so it's interesting to hear that she kind of plays with that idea again and and those surprises and truth in the second one. I think it's in a really... It's a really interesting way based on the setup because mm-hmm. the setup forces these two characters to work together. <laughs> but are they working together? Is the question. Like, yeah. And I love that setup when you have a situation that naturally brings them into having to be allies, yeah. but you don't know how far that goes. Like, it, right. it's so. You know, similar to like the sleight of hand in the Hunger Games with Peta and Katniss of like her character not knowing what's going on. And there there's just something delightful with being able to play with that and then to have choices that are are ambiguous or that feel neutral or that it, it is kind of a delight. And I will say that she did something that I found personally very interesting. Um, Mm. I don't know if you know this, but she didn't say how many, she didn't, she went into releasing Ballad of Never After without telling you how many books are in the series. I think that's annoying. (laughs) So annoying. But it's also amazing. It is an amazing choice. And so you don't know (laughs) if it's done? Well, I was gonna we wait now, until it was done, but like we now know. Oh, okay. We now know. Okay. Um <laughs> but I'm really I excited to read choice, it, but I'm like waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I thought the choice to hold that back yeah. um was a fascinating one. And I still yeah. hadn't I made an assumption that it was something and I didn't know she had done that positioning of the books. Huh. Um I made an assumption that it was a trilogy and yeah. I just thought that made it really kind of interesting and fascinating from a perspective of, I did not have the same feelings that the other readers who were following her more closely did, uh-huh. uh, whether or not it's a duology or a trilogy. And I loved that play. Um, I just uh-huh. thought that was very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I assumed it was a trilogy too and hadn't, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, so, so, so interesting. Do you want to know? What I do. I want to know because I, I think it's a um, fingering. It is, it is a trilogy. And, but how she handles that, like when you read it, you'll understand why she did it the way that she did. Um, because as That's the book, The Ballad of Never After says, all ballads end tragically, which I think was a very interesting framing and choice um that she decided to make um yeah okay (laughs) read it read it i can't i I can't wait for the next one yeah it's coming out um when is it the end of october october 24th okay right now maybe i would read it it's been pushed back a little bit but yeah it's her world building in this she is really good at that. It's it's their level. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and she does just such a great 
she does a lot of hiding things in plain sight and giving you one reason for something but having more than one reason behind it. And I just, mm. I think that she's a master at that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like I said, that's hard to like, yeah, yeah. have those surprises and those twists and those yeah. layered truths. <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and this, this one is, the structure is so different than the original one, um, but I like what she did with it. I thought, you know, if you're looking for Caraval, read Caraval. Like, if you're for looking sure. for that series, read that series. Um, it definitely is kind of its own thing, but it does a great job of kind of playing with that and being more than one thing, which I, mm. I loved a lot. And we get a peek at characters we love. So I think she did a good job with that, too. That's so fun. Oh, okay. Now I need to go read it. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. Are so, we ready for a movie? Or, sorry. Yeah, do the movies that? first because, yeah, mine's less exciting. Okay. Time. <laughs> so I wanted to talk just a little bit about Across the Spider-Verse. Um, my kids mm. are both very big Spider-Man, Miles Morales fans. And yeah. We recently showed them into the Spider-Verse, which after seeing that film, I always thought it was a fantastic film, but seeing it and seeing how to like across the Spider-Verse, the next chapter plays with it. Hmm. It's such a wonderful aging up of a story, a story hmm. that was great as a standalone. Like it, it makes such a good standalone entry but also one to a two um it it brings up so many interesting things the i was watching something that the writers were talking about like their thesis for the first story their theme what they were trying to say Mm. was um anyone could wear the mask so that was their their goal in the storytelling at the end you get to the place of knowingness of anyone can wear the mask. This next one is a lot more complicated and it goes into like the thesis of it is how you wear the mask matters. Mm. And it's fascinating because it I goes like that those build on each other or like, right. yeah. <laughs> so I haven't I seen this one yet. So don't spoil anything. <laughs> you won't, I won't. I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a multiverse and a bunch of different Spider-Man and spider creatures and spider women and like an entire, as we saw kind of touched on in the first, it grows exponentially, Mm -hmm. but this story grows to be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. And they don't try to shove. And I, I think this is amazing the characters you see are the characters you need um, to mm. tell this side of the story. They do not try to shove every single person into this yeah. story that we've seen before. And I just thought, one, that was very, like, they did a great job of growing it, but not making it huge and making mm. it understandable, making it a lot of great questions that were brought up in Into the Spider-Verse become topics of discussion in the second one it, yeah. it is this digging in 
I mean, it is one of the best second films I've ever seen. And I, I've seen a lot of films. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was one of those that, that's, I obviously there isn't a third movie yet. Uh-huh. So I'm like, it, it made me feel like, oh, this could be a really incredible trilogy. It did mm-hmm. everything like a second film should do. And it left you in a place that asks a bunch of questions, which I think that's the best thing you can do with that second yeah. film story. Usually there's an emotional level that you have to be at if yeah. your end of the full trilogy ends up at a certain point. Like usually, sure. you know, um, Empire Strikes Back, like you have yeah. to end down. Yes. Um, Which is why I don't always like the second movie or book. Right? Yeah. It's like... Absolutely. It's like, you know, we were talking about Lord of the Rings, the two towers. Absolutely. You're on the floor and being like... (laughs) But I think remembering that you need that in order to have some place to go, to build to. But they did it in a way that wasn't in any way, like, haphazard or... Like, it knew exactly where it needed to go. Without signaling it, it helped you get there at each step of the way. And mm. I just, I think it was chef's, chef's case. Like, it was just glorious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it also has one of the best scenes of of a mom and a growing boy. Mm. And it just got the emotion of the moment Hmm. perfectly like it just knew what it was about and it just it hit it perfectly um yeah Yeah. it was it was a great film um and i'd highly recommend now i'm excited (laughs) we've been saying we needed to see it for a little while yeah again though like like be prepared that it's gonna (laughs) leave you like (laughs) it's gonna leave you there and you're gonna be like when is the third one coming out? <laughs> Which totally, I like the second we got done, Xander's like, What? Is there a third one? And I'm like, Yes, honey, yes, that's what they're showing us. Like, that's what they're showing us. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay, what so, else you got? Keep going. <laughs> Elemental, um, Pixar, Elemental. Fire and water animated film. It totally was a sleeper when it came out. It didn't. Yeah, do I much. don't know that I've and even heard of it. Like, yeah, yeah. It's this beautiful story about a girl named Ember who is made of fire, who is living in a world that's made for water elements, mm. and the complications that that then bring into her life from a structure perspective in addition to her own complications of having parents who have sacrificed to get her where she is and who want certain things for her for the future Uh and where she might not want those things and (laughs) she's dealing with some a lot of complicated emotions Mm. and then she meets this guy who comes through like she has this anger moment cracks the pipes water comes crushing comes uh flushing like 
through uh-huh. and there's this water guy who ends up in her basement. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just a beautiful, a beautiful story of both the kind of outside pressures yeah. of being a part of a family and wanting something for yourself that maybe they don't want for you. Hmm. Um it's a just beautiful exploration. There's also like outside, like the the pipes that cracked, that's a problem, especially yeah. in Firetown. And right. so there's this great, like they have to do things, but there's this great exploration of self and mm. and of how can two people who are so different but obviously connect, like find their way. Mm. And <laughs> it's the male in it is very emotionally connected and Mm. the female in it is not she's very closed Mm -hmm. off i loved that it that subversion yeah yeah, it challenged preconceptions um but one of the things i loved best about this story and i do highly recommend the film i think it's a delight it's funny and weird and beautiful um and it made me cry several times but pixar like normally makes me cry yeah for sure every time that's like in addition to the family dynamic which the exploration between daughter and father is especially Hmm. um part of the film it was interesting because i i listened to and i love listening to creatives talk about what it is they've created um i love like listening to the voice actors talk about it um and they were talking about like they actually hadn't met each other until afterwards but it's funny how they have like this natural rapport Uh um even though they hadn't connected before that where they kind of felt similar things because the direction Mm -hmm. was so clear and so Mm -hmm. like this is what we were creating and going for they were all kind of on that same understanding of this is yeah. the purpose that we're yeah. doing but also the director lost his parents mm. partway through and the the storyline with the parents was so poignant mm. and like so emotional there were definitely moments that felt so real and mm. from a really um emotionally grounded place yeah and to find out that it was grounded from his experience yeah and and some of some of the stories that ember the female fire character shares in the story itself are actually from him and his his family like his great grandmother told him that like on her deathbed to to marry someone who is Korean. He is Korean. Um, and so there's this fire part where where the great grandmother of Ember is like, marry fire. And, <laughs> it, like, and then dies. And there was oh, this, this kind of beautiful like yeah. reality to it, even though we're dealing with elements. Um, yeah. There was kind of this great complexity and understanding of both sides of that story as well Mm. the water side and the fire side they feel really well-rounded and interesting Mm. and with great care and I just feel like the personal side kind of could be reflected in the truth of the story itself Mm. Um, it, it was a powerful one
Sounds so good. Now I want to go watch it. Yes. <laughs> I love getting and all these like wrecks. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say this. I will talk about The Little Mermaid, but I'm going to talk about it fairly briefly. Um, it's just, it's a great film. I'm so glad I saw it. And what I loved most about The Little Mermaid is how, and what I like about the retellings, lots of people are like, why do we need retellings of these? Um, they say something different, or they yeah. say something deeper, or they dig in further with these characters. Yeah. And the story of it... Um, Often to me, the animated film feels so like it's stuck so strongly on the relationship between Eric and Ariel that it doesn't seem to dig into the other ones. Any, any, like they kind of feel like cardboard characters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you feel like emotional when her dad comes, but it's, it's not, it's more like the acceptance of the relationship rather than the connection of their, yeah, relationship reconnecting. And, Javier Bardem, who plays her dad, and then also um, there's characters on Eric's side too. Um, his his mom and the guy who plays Grimsby, um, who's on the ship with him. Yeah, there's there's so much they dug in with those relationships hmm. so well and added layers to a story that I feel is actually one of not as strong as some of the ones that come after it. Um, hmm. I would highly recommend that one too. It was Yeah, I haven't seen good. that one yet either, but it's been on my uh, list. I love that they're doing was, these retellings. Like I think yeah. you're exactly right that it like <laughs> they're flushing them out more and they're making them more I mean that's exactly what we do with fairy tales, right? Like that's why I mean yes. these fairy tales are so old. They've been retold all the time for yes. you know, decades, centuries, whatever. And it's because we need to reframe them in the context of our own society right. and our own, you know. And so they're constantly being reframed. And I think there's so much there's so much there that can be reframed that we keep telling them. <laughs> I think it's great that we're doing it again because the old ones are dated. They're dated. Yes. And they are flat. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. And I think there's power in re-uncovering yeah. something that could have been there yeah. um, or that was suggested mm-hmm. but never really highlighted and then being able to lean into that. I, I think there's something like... I heard David Diggs, who plays Sebastian, talking about how he and Aquafina made a backstory for how Sebastian and um, <laughs> Scuttle know each other. Oh. I love that. I, I yeah, that's fun. I eat that up. It was it was delicious, and <laughs> it's funny because there's also a part where they like rap together, and it's after him telling like the sto- the backstory in one of these interviews. I'm like. Uh-huh. That just made that scene even better. <laughs> but I think even like the considering of the the depth of things, of why, sometimes in those animated films, it was like there was a throwaway piece of dialogue and it yeah. didn't really have any yeah. meaning. But then it's like, you, it does have meaning because it's there. Yeah. And I like that this kind of took some of those moments, those little things and was like, okay, what did that mean then? Like, yeah, let's, let's explore that, that further. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which was great. That's and awesome. connected with that um, is the Barbie movie, which mm-hmm. the reason why I, I saved it for yet, last. But... <laughs> and I, no, I'm not going to I want to see anything. it. I'm excited um, to watch. I just it always go to the theaters, those... honestly. I usually wait. 
I, I totally feel you. And I, I think this one is actually one that, yeah, it was, it was cool from the perspective of having the energy of the audience that, that definitely was cool, but it's one that I think sitting with on your own is actually a really great way of mm. taking it in. Mm. Cause he puts one. It's funny because you look at Hollywood and sometimes you're like, they they learn all the wrong rules. The The reason why I went to see it is I love Greta Gerwig. And uh-huh. we've talked about her before. We saw the Little Mermaid, uh, the Little Women movie that she yeah. did, um, which is just choice. It is so good. If you love Little Women, yeah. Yeah. see it now. You'll thank us later. Like, it's yeah. so good. Um, yeah. And when I found out she was doing this, I'm like, how is that gonna work? Like it, it totally such a departure from yeah. <laughs> but that's the entire point is mm-hmm. she takes such a unique lens to this idea of Barbie that we all have very specific and conflicting sometimes sure. feelings about, and she holds space for everything, like all of that. Mm-hmm. Um and she uses these wonderful symbols of of perfection versus imperfection mm-hmm. and the beauty of both. Yeah. And she she has this kind of I'm gonna give one thing away, but they okay. they they do clips of it in part of the yeah. marketing materials, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> so they have I think she's called Weird Barbie or Strange like Weird Barbie. Um, who is hilarious. Um, she's played by comedian Kate. I think Kate McKinnon is her name. Mm-hmm. She's hilarious. But she's holding out like a beautiful rhinestone high heel and a Birkenstock. And she's like, you can choose the, you know, I go back to your, she's doing a Matrix thing. Like, I, you can choose <laughs> this and go back to your life in uh-huh. Barbie land or you can learn the truth. And <laughs> Barbie's like, I want the high heel. I want to go back to my life. She's like, no, you have to want to know. You have to learn the truth. <laughs> it is a remarkable story in that it, doesn't take itself too seriously so it can be very funny and it can lean into all of the kind of um weirdness that is Barbie (laughs) but also like it has something very distinctive and purposeful to say (laughs) and it absolutely is working towards it there's actually and I found this amazing as I was watching something about the film yeah she had to fight for a very particular scene in the film hmm. to stay. Hmm. They, they, they said to her, like, this, this doesn't do anything from a narrative perspective. And she hmm. came back and said, this is the emotional heart of the film. If, if this is not in it, I don't know why we're doing what we're doing. Hmm. And... I loved that because I think it's that great reminder that there are things that we do in our work that may not have a plot purpose, Hmm. but they may have a purpose from a, what we're trying to say perspective, an emotional Hmm. perspective. And when we know that something belongs, you fight like hell for that (laughs) because, because it's important. And I really connected with the scene. I cried in it. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments that I couldn't imagine the film 
without that scene in it. Mm-hmm. I I agree with her that it feels like it's the one of the emotionally resonant points of the film. Hmm. I love that when when writers or artists can fight for their work like that. I think, yes. I think it's really important. Like just it's just as important to take feedback and to know, you know, to be able to listen to what people other people say, but yeah. you also have to be willing to to kind of follow your own gut and instinct. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's also like has a scene where someone tells rather than shows, but I think it's another one of those situations in which hmm. I think the power of the scene comes from the telling. Um, I think if it was more subtle, it might have not had the same impact. Yeah. Hmm. Or poignancy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, you know, I have strong feelings about the show. I think it's kind of bullcrap most of the time, but I mean, not most of the time, but it just, there are times when it's good to tell and times when it's good to show. You have to learn how to know which is which. Yeah. yeah, and and I think maybe even playing with it a little bit because this, uh, I think sometimes knowing expedience does matter and yes. and the immediacy yeah. does matter, yeah. and that's the benefit sometimes of telling is it is immediate. Yeah. It can't be very easily lost in translation. Like <laughs> it's something that you have it, and and there is a definitely a value to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that we should split this in two parts. <laughs> yes. Part one, Laura's stories. We'll do part two, my stories, because we've got yes. long. So we'll be back next week with more um, stories and book stream. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you keep reading and writing and exploring stories in all their beautiful forms and putting your work out into the world.